I'm Allegra Levy, and you're listening to the Scout Archives, the place where I have the privilege of introducing you to groundbreaking artists who also happen to be wonderful people. For more information on the guests or to nominate someone, head to our website, www.thescoutarchives.com. You can also follow us on social media at the handle The Scout Archives. And you can reach out to me on Instagram at Levy Allegra. Now let's introduce this month's guest. Rebecca Ocampo's house is exactly as I imagined it. Simple, but not without thought. Practical, quiet, and minimalistic in the most artistic of ways. It completely captures her essence, or what I had known of her up until then. It instantly brought me back to the first time I met her, as an early teenager in a dance class I'd been dragged to. There were many large personalities in the class, but not many of them made a lasting impression on me. Instead, I was drawn to one woman stretching in the corner. Even during the warm-up, I could not concentrate on the movement, as I was watching her in the mirror across the room instead. When the dancers were asked to embody their biggest fear, it was Rebecca's group that was the one to watch, mostly because of her take on the task. The calm matched with exquisite lines she made with her movement almost made drowning seem angelic. Almost a nice way to die. Speaking and getting to know Rebecca, however, filled me with life. Although we always had a connection through mutual friends, this was our first conversation in getting to know each other. I have realized what an incredible soul she is, and why exactly I was taken by her that first day. As she speaks about her film Made in Africa, her difficulty assimilating to an iconic dance group, and her transition from dance to acting, she lays it out for me eloquently and neatly, but there is a quiet storm brewing underneath. She is far from settled on the inside, as she thinks about the complexities in herself and her artistic voice in relation to the larger world around her, and it is exciting to watch her think. Rebecca reminds us of the beauty of the constant change of direction in an artist's life and career. After many years in the business, she can now say she has gone from being a brand new artist to one who introduces new artists to her community, a shift she can be proud of. She does it all with a stoic and serene take on the world and her place in it, even if it may be somewhere in between, somewhere on her own. Okay. Hi. Hi. Would you like to state your name? Yes, it's Rebecca Ocampo. And would you like to tell us where we are? We are in Silver Lake, Los Angeles, California. In Rebecca's apartment. Yes, in my apartment. And um, I was thinking back to the first time we met. I think it was at Christy Slager's dance class. (laughs) And I was so scared of everyone in the class. And I sat in the corner... And you guys did, oh, oh, I don't know if you remember this, but you all had to, rec- like, recreate through dance um, a fear, and you and Nell were in the same group, and you did Drowning. Mm. I'm pretty sure. Wow, yeah, that is a fear of mine. <laughs> I think at the time I was having dreams, I would either have a dream of drowning or being able to breathe underwater. And it, like, exists underwater, Mm. which is, like, I think a subconscious (laughs) Jungian thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was probably exploring a little bit that. I think in a a past life, I drowned. Wow. (laughs) Um, But I actually didn't really know. We haven't spent that much time together. I think of all of Nell's friends 
that are really, really close to her, mm-hmm. we like I haven't spent as much time with you as I have with all the others. No, I've just heard about you a lot. Yes, and same here. Yes. So I'm glad we're doing this. Okay. I'm going to start with what your background is, when you decided that you were going to be an artist, um, and how your childhood, I guess, informed your creative choices as an adult. Just your story. Yeah. Okay. I grew up in Harlan, Kentucky, which is a really small coal mining town in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, It's kind of the corner of Kentucky that meets Virginia and Tennessee. Really small. Um, My background is Filipino, half Filipino, Irish, German, French. My father's from the Philippines. My mother was from Virginia and that surrounding area where I grew up. Um, I was a very curious child and a very sensitive child. My parents used to say that they would like look at me wrong <laughs> and I would start crying. So I was very sensitive right away. Uh, and very curious. Um, my dad told me a story that when I was little, he put me into public school. I was in like a private Catholic school. I was four. I think he put me into like a public school. And I came to him crying that I wanted to be put back into the other school because we weren't doing anything. Oh my so I was already like very, I don't know. My dad's just like learning and all those kinds of things very early on. So very curious. Um, always learning about everything. Curious about everything. Which is a blessing and a curse. And I grew up normal childhood, divorced parents, but normal childhood in Kentucky. Um, I didn't, when was I exposed to the arts? I didn't grow up in a very artistic family. Mm -hmm. My father was a doctor, so it was more about sciences and professionalism. And so I didn't really become an artist. I think my first gateway into art was through gymnastics and sports. Um, and that kind of performance aspect of those things. When I went to school, we didn't even have a drama club. So the school got rid of the drama program when I first went to high school. So I didn't start exploring that side of me until I went to college, I think. Wow. Yeah, I took some classes just because people told me that they would be, like, the classes to take. Yeah. You know. Um, and then I danced in college. And then I guess I started really figuring it out after college and I moved to New York. That's kind of when I started blossoming as an artist. Did you always, um, when you were living in Kentucky, did you think, oh, I want to get out of Kentucky? Like, did you ever have that kind of like, oh, I have dreams to go to New York, go to LA or? Always. Okay. Yeah. I was very independent right away. Um, I remember, I think I went to college when I was 17 and I went, my, so my sister's a year older than me, but I skipped third grade. So we were in the same grade from fourth grade on. So we went to college together in the same dorm room, but I went like a week and a half before she did because I just wanted to leave. Wow. <laughs> and she kind of came when she had to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got there r- right away. And then as soon as I got out of college, I went straight to New York. So I was always like itching to get out Mm -hmm. yeah were your parents 
supportive of your decision to be more of an artist than science-based or my father wasn't actually supportive in that way he thought it was a passing phase and he was very proud like anytime I would have dance accomplishments he would tell all of his friends all of his patients he would tell um but he just didn't understand it because from where he comes from he grew up in a very poor family so for what he achieved for himself the stability and like having that base he just expects that everybody wanted that Mm -hmm. and I didn't grow up that way so mine was more about expanding in other ways and I didn't I've never really cared about the money aspect of things so or I mean I do care about stability but (laughs) uh yeah he just didn't understand it so yeah and your mom my mom's always been kind of creative actually Mm -hmm. so she's probably the person that I got my creativity from when I think about it so yeah she's always been supportive she also doesn't understand it I don't think anyone really understands what you do if they're not in your field right yeah so you just have to really be patient and explain it to to them throughout that process they don't understand that you go on auditions and you get rejected and that that doesn't mean you're not talented or that you're not worthy or that you won't have a career or make money at what you do. You don't have to be famous to be an artist. Right. Great. When you moved to New York, you, I didn't even know that you lived in New York. Where did you live? Oh. I, well, I started in Williamsburg, okay. right under the BQE, uh, and then I ended up in East Village, which was my favorite, and then I ended up, my last place was in a high-rise in Below World Trade. Oh, I wanted okay. to try all the different living situations in New York, Yeah. so I did the walk-up, I did the railroad apartment, and then oh. I did the high-rise. Oh my gosh, yeah. so funny. And you had, and you didn't know Nell at the time? I didn't know Nell at the time. I didn't meet her until maybe seven years ago. In acting class here right. in Los Angeles. Right. Okay. Um, but you were a dancer for the Knicks. Yes. What was that like? That um, was great. Did it like push your artistry forward, or were did you feel like you were just like a spoke in the wheel of a bigger machine? Like, how did that? Um, yeah. What was that like? It was both. I had just been in New York for four days. I needed money. They had auditions. I had at the time danced for my college, so I wasn't really interested in dancing with a group of girls. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I think going to New York, you're just like wanting to explore your independence and like who you are as a unique artist as opposed to like a collaborative group. Yeah. Um, So I, but I needed money. I ended up making the team. So that was fate. And then it was a great experience. It was a beautiful way to be introduced to New York City and to get to go to work at Madison Square Garden was really fantastic. I think I didn't appreciate it as much at the time because um, in my mind I thought, oh, if it was that easy, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But only looking back do I think, oh, that was a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still trying to explore my individuality, so I had a couple of rough patches on the team. I did it for two years. Uh, I remember my second year coming back. You had to audition every year, even if you were on the team the first year. Oh, yeah. And, um, but when you come back and audition as 
having already been a member, everybody kind of dresses the same so that everyone knows that this is the ex like this was the old troop. I see. And I just didn't want to, and so I wore my own thing, which I think caused a little bit of like questionable. Like, is Rebecca a team player? Mm. But it was really just me being young and trying to like find my own way, but being stuck in a group of eighteen girls trying to look the same. Right. Because it's all about synchronicity or like being in sync mm -hmm. with your teammates. And I was trying to be like, I'm over here, unique. Yeah. So. Did you, how did that whole thing, how did that work? Do you have a choreographer that does all the dances or do you guys have any input in what happens? I mean, I'm guessing you don't really. Um, we have a bunch of different choreographers and they, they hire them for different dances. Mm -hmm. We, we learned about 40 dances a year, which is a lot. Wow. We would perform three to four times a game, depending on if we in, went into overtime. Um, so you're constantly having to be, it's great muscle to use because you're in a different formation each game because mm -hmm. there's different girls. I think 18 of us are hired. 12 of us perform at one time. So, so you know, if the other six have off for whatever reasons, so it rotates. So, yeah, you're constantly, like, even if you did the same routine the night before, you might be in a totally different spot. Mm -hmm. So you had to remember that you have, you know. So it was like, a, it was a, I remember feeling like I could go to an audition and be really facile and sharp and clean from that and it served me in a lot of ways wow yeah. that's so cool yeah um you um are from a lot of different places but uh your dad is filipino yes what is it like right now um having a connection somewhere out of the u.s um but living here and in like the current climate of what's going on in art um do you think that you have a different view on things because of all the places that you come from. I don't know, I guess talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I grew up very Americanized, even though my father was Filipino. Mm -hmm. So I have this weird disconnect with that part of myself that I never have been able to really get. Yeah. Uh, not for lack of wanting. Um, I have visited the Philippines multiple times and seen my family, but I feel like I don't have a strong base there. I would not say that I have a lot of that tradition passed down through me. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting thing because I think a lot of Asians right now are getting recognition and we're, they're starting to be acknowledged in the industry and with crazy rich Asians and things like that. Um... But there still isn't a weird, there's that weird place where it's like, well, I feel like a min minority of even that because I'm half. So it's like a hapa, which is what we call half situation. Yeah. And then, so I'm not technically, I never feel Asian. Mm -hmm. And I never really feel fully, I feel probably more American, like Caucasian mm. than anything. Yeah. So I have a weird perspective on that mm -hmm. one day there will be <laughs> more stories about people like me I actually have a friend Katie Malia she wrote a series called Almost Asian 
because she's half Japanese, half German. Mm. And it kind of focuses on that, where she never feels like quite Asian enough, quite white enough. Right. Yeah. Interesting. For a long time, you were focused on dance. And I mean, I don't actually know that this is true. I just kind of assumed this because this is what I've been told, that you have kind of not put it aside, but you focus more on acting recently. Mm-hmm. Um, was there something that caused the decision? Um, and are you getting something from acting in this time of your life that you weren't getting from dance and vice versa? Mm. Yeah, I think it was a slow burn for me to exit dancing in the professional aspect. Um, one, your body just ages mm. and you get injuries and you get tired and to be at that top level and compete, you know, takes more and more energy. I never, I never said, I never was like, oh, I want to be a dancer when I grow up. Mm-hmm. I just kind of fell into it. Like, oh, I like doing this right now. Let me just keep doing it. And then it continued that way. So it was never a conscious choice of saying, this is what I want to pursue. These are my goals. I kind of was like, oh, I clicked, checked that off my list. I got to go on tour. Oh, you know, I did this commercial. Like, for me, it was more about that and experiencing something. I would liken dance for me to like a Rothko painting where it's all feeling and emotion, whereas acting brought in something different for me, which I started gravitating more to, which is more analytical, um... It just allowed me to explore in a different space. Now I'm starting to come back around to dance um, without like the pressure of being judged. I'm like looking at it in a different way instead of, oh, I'm competing against 500 other people for this job, which is not the way I would ever want to experience dance, but it became that way and I started hating it So now I'm just finally getting back to just like learning to love to dance just because I want to move and feel and be free. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's so funny because, I mean, I'm sure if you come from a dance background, it's so abstract that Mm -hmm. it would be about the emotion or whatever. Um, But that's so funny because I was probably, I was a dancer second to my acting training. Um, Oh, how was that? So it's more like, for like for me, the uh, I, I mean, I think that the dancing is not as analytical as acting, but I'm always of people always tell me like you're too logical about certain things, you're too uh, concrete about you know acting or whatever, and you just have to do it. So it's funny that you say that. Um, that that is that was that is working for you yeah because what I noticed was that I got more analytical but then I was losing the human connection that you just have with a person and mm-hmm. then being in the moment and like I felt outside of my body so I was disconnecting because I was using my brain my headspace to like dictate everything instead of really working within my body Which is like, I think with acting, you have to have all different types of intelligences. Mm -hmm. So that mind-body connection has to be there. And I'm just getting back to like using dance to get back into that. So it's really great that you do both. I mean, I feel like singing, dance, acting, 
that is all intertwined mm-hmm. anyway. It should be, at least, you know? Do you sing? I don't. <laughs> I feel like I would have known if you did sing. That's the next thing. It's <laughs> the missing link. You have a recurring role on a children's web series called Challenge Squad, um, and you play the villain. How is it? It's really fun. Um, it's my friend Jessa Zarubica is the director. She works for a company called Pocket Watch, which is the children's entertainment company. And so she wrote this, and she's directing it. So she brought me in, and I, at first, was skeptical because it's a children's show. It's very funny. Like, with children, you just have to be very blatant. And so all the exposition is just talked out loud. Like, your thoughts are spoken out loud. There's no, like, my character has a little subtext because she's the villain. But most of the time, it's just very, like, direct. Yeah. You know? Um... But she's fun, and the process of doing the show is a lot of improvisation. Improvisation. Mm. I can't say that word. Um, So we'll get scripts, or we'll get scripts like last minute, and we just have to do it. So that muscle, I'm not used to. I'm used to being very prepared and knowing what I'm going to say before I get to set. And then these are like sometimes two pages get added like one minute before you have to do them. Mm. So, yeah. It's a learn like, I embrace it because it's a learning experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun to be silly. Yeah. And wear a pink wig. That's so <laughs> um, when you get sides um, for an audition, mm-hmm. do you have a process in, like, how you dissect them, how you work on them before you go in for an audition? I would say that I'm not the type of person that can just memorize first and then work on a scene. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like I have to work on the character and then the memory comes with it. So it takes me a little bit longer. I have to spend more time doing that. I think than other people can memorize like two pages right away. Um, Every part is different, I think. yeah, it's just different, and you have, like, a toolbox that you've accumulated over how many ever years from all these different teachers, and you're like, what can I use here? How can I get into this person? I use a lot of personalization. Um, my teacher now talks about using a task for auditions because it's a quick tool to use to have a task, you as the actor. So it's almost like having this secret thing going on that is outside of the work. So say you're working on having more sexuality in your work or being more comfortable or being more direct. You can use that in the scene. It may have nothing to do with the scene, but because you're working on something outside of that, it makes it of interest. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it makes the character more complex, I guess. Yeah, naturally. It's like in the the audience sees you and is like, Something's going on in there. It's like a secret that you get to hold that makes you a fuller person, I think, when you speak. Instead of it just being about the lines direct and, you know, that seems to... I like that type of experimentation. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to Nell a couple minutes ago that you guys both kind of worked on um, Rihanna's... Uh, Savage Fenty lingerie line and for like a very short minute 
And she was like, you should just ask Rebecca, like, what other kind of strange jobs she's had. So I figured I'd ask you. <laughs> I do so many things. I always have like three different jobs going on at the same time. I mean, right now I work at the Jungian Institute um, just because I like listening to psychology and lectures. So I facilitate all of the, um, the speaking, like the sound and the visuals for each person's lecture. Yeah, I do that just for my own, like, personal education. Mm, love that. Yeah, and I just fell into that randomly and liked it, and I've been doing it for, like, two years now. Um, as far as acting jobs or dance jobs, gosh. I had an audition once. I'm pretty sure I left the audition, but I had to be, like, it was for MTV, I think, and we had to be fruits that were having sex with each other it was like a PSA for MTV like safe sex and when we went to the audition we had to put on the costume so it was like a strawberry and a grape oh my gosh yeah and then we'd have to like simulate like weird moves and then reverse it so that you became the masculine and the other person was the feminine or you know the top or bottom I don't know (laughs) and it was so weird so weird that is so strange yeah I left I left that one. Um, yeah. You have to have some dignity. Yeah. <laughs> what else? I was, oh, I did a job one time, and it was for a commercial for a glassware company, an optical company, and it was a huge pair of glasses on a stage, and we were like these squeegee, like whirling dervishes. So we wore like what you would see in like a car wash, like those spinny things, mm-hmm. um, and we would just do uh, chenets around and clean the lens out of the, oh, the glasses. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes, things like that. That's so yes. Funny. Dancers do the dancers get to do the funniest things. Yeah, I think. I'm sure. Wow, that's yeah. wild. You're also a director. You went to Africa to make a movie called Tyson. Yes. What was that experience like going, well, I mean, going to Africa, but also uh, working there? And what is your process as a director? Like, what do you look for in actors? Or um, what are you like as a director to work with? Mm. I'm a new director, so I think I'm still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I would say the stories that I'm attracted to are usually character-driven instead of plot-driven. So I really like exploring characters. I love working with actors because I am one. Right. Um, So I feel like I can communicate at least at the way that they absorb material, you know? Because I think sometimes directors... They're, they're doing so much. So their minds may be on something completely technical that does not translate to an actor. Um, so I feel like I'm really good with that. I'm still learning. I don't know. Ask me in like five years, maybe. Uh, what was it like going to Africa? Africa's amazing. I've been there maybe six times now. I was there, my ex-boyfriend had a charity there, 
He still has a charity there. It's a wonderful charity called We Are Limitless. And we put orphans and homeless kids into boarding schools and like throughout their whole education until they get their first job. Mm. They're supported, like wow. all anything they need. Um, boarding, health, education, supplies, whatever they need, food. So I was there and this time I was there by myself. I met a girl who was a nurse. She was really young, maybe 23. And she was already working in Africa for a while as a nurse. And she was telling me about her experiences because she was there and she was kind of thrown into things. Like she was delivering babies. She was doing all kinds of things she was not qualified to do, but they needed the help. So she was like heading up whole wards of of clinics, you know, all those kinds of things at the age of 23. And she hadn't even finished her education, I don't think. So... Uh, the story comes from her, and it's about a little boy who was detained in the hospital for not being able to pay his medical fees, because um, in those some of those countries in Africa and the Philippines even, and other third world countries, they don't have good insurance systems set up, so there's no way of like guaranteeing that bills get paid so hospitals are run down because they aren't getting enough money so they hold their patients I wouldn't say prisoner but they do there's guards and they can't leave so until they're able to pay so people sell their cows they sell their land and then sometimes that's not enough so this little boy was detained in the hospital for a year and it's a story about him wow that's great um, if there's, uh, if you could make a movie about anything, what would you want it to be about? Mm. Like what's, I mean, I guess what's your ideal next project? I have a project that I'm starting to work on. It would be a feature. It's about my childhood. Mm. It's, I would say the Asian hillbilly elegy. <laughs> If anyone's read that book Um, and yeah I just had an interesting childhood I grew up in a town that was I think there was one other Asian family in my town Um, so you had these two little half Asian girls walking around with very thick southern accents (laughs) (laughs) and just the clash of cultures and in the time period that it was in and then I have an interesting family history so I would make that, I think, is my next thing. And I want it to be about the bond of sisterhood and, like, sisters against the world kind of situation. Cool. Yeah. You also mentor mm-hmm. kids um, in the Young Storytellers program. Um, what is it like being a mentor in a creative arena and what has it taught you by your own work? Do you think you'd ever work with... Uh, the kids that you mentor as they get older? Would you ever write with them uh, like, or do a project with them, cast them? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I'm not doing that program this semester um, because of time constraints, but every, every semester you get to work with a new kid. They're always in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's always fun getting paired up with a child because you there's 
the children that have like creative tendencies and their teachers have seen that in them and they want them to push that further. They're the children that they put into the program that are just shy and need to be pulled out of there. And then there are the children that have like a lot of energy that need to be like <laughs> harnessed. Have it harnessed into something. So you have all these different types of children. You don't know which one you're going to get. I've gotten a lot of shy kids, which is great because I was a shy kid. Um, and I love being able to pull that out of them and like let them know that their opinions are important and so we're really taught to not um to not steer them in a certain way when they're writing their scripts they write a five page script so and then all the thoughts are from them we don't guide them we guide them structurally like we need a beginning middle and we need a climax we need characters we need a setting mm. but we don't guide them in the sense that like oh well maybe your thing takes place on a train like we never do anything like that so it's fully their imagination and i think that's really important because usually it's like me teaching my younger self you know getting the opportunity to teach my younger self so i have a lot of like compassion and patience and I definitely probably don't speak to myself that way, you know? Yeah. So it reminds me to have more compassion for that part of me. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. We celebrated the supermoon together. Yes. Um, <laughs> and sat with friends and we picked cards and with a fire and all this. And um, everyone kind of had different decks that were that had like angels or some sort of like um I don't know some sort of fortune on it but yours only had animals right animals? they're just like creatures really yeah, like some well I'm just saying like your deck yeah it's oh, like my yeah your actual deck. deck yes um and where like where did you find it was just such an interesting thing are you first of all what's like your spirit animal I guess and where did you find the deck why were you drawn to that deck because I just feel like it was such an interesting deck yeah. yeah um it's funny because Nell was the one that got me into tarot cards in the first place yeah. I was on a trip with Nell to the Grand Canyon and then we added an extra day and went through Sedona and I remember at the time this lizard kept coming into my house like I leave my doors open so like bugs come in all the time but this lizard at two occasions maybe two different lizards I don't know if it was the same one stayed in my house you know and I had to like pick it up and like let it free so in my mind when I was picking out a deck I was really interested in like when you have an, an encounter with an animal hmm. and like why that animal shows up in your life at the time that it does so I was like oh what's a lizard about so I wouldn't say my I don't know what my spirit animal was but at the time that's the why out of like the hundreds of decks that they had in the store because <laughs> this is Sedona um why I was drawn to that one hmm. so yeah and just like something about connecting with nature and and I don't know. I love that deck. Yeah. I really love it. Yeah, it's just very cool. Yeah. Yeah. What have you learned most about yourself as an artist since 
2019 started. Mm. I've learned, I feel like I've learned a lot already this year. I'm starting to learn that art and life are the same thing. I think I always believed that, but I see it more and more. So I'm starting to integrate whatever is going on in my life with my art. And usually the certain things that show up in my art as opportunities are what I need to tackle in my life as well. Um, for instance, I really had kind of, I didn't have a great relationship with my mother. There wasn't no ill will I just didn't know her because I was raised by my father. Mm. Um, and I took this class, and you had to be your parent in the class. So you go in and you perform as your parent through a role. So wow. say you do Blanche and Streetcar, playing your mom, though, you right. know? Um, so it's not really about Blanche, it's about your mom playing that part. Uh, which was very interesting to me. And the whole theory behind that class is that we have these kind of archetypes that we adhere to with our parents and we don't even know because they're so habitual. So it allows us to see them and then be able to discard them or use them as needed. So it doesn't be, it separates us from like our habits and we can control that and use it in our work when we want to and then not have it if we don't want to. It's not just like a habitual go-to decision. Mm. So I think that was a great one. And it really strengthened my relationship with my mother. Mm. Um, this was last year. This year, it's all about boundaries. <laughs> I think boundaries around my work. Um, boundaries in like what I want to focus on and what's important. Because you can get steered in a million different ways in art. Because um, everything's interesting. And we live in LA and it's so cultured. And like, you know, you want to do everything. So... I think having boundaries around my process is important this year. How long ago did you move to LA? 2005, 14 oh, wow. years ago. And why did you choose to move to LA? And also, I guess, how has your work changed since moving to LA? I think I was young when I chose to come to LA and I think it was just more about exploring the world. Mm -hmm. I always thought I would go back to New York and I just never got pulled back. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought I would be here for a few years and then go back to New York um, with some type of job, you know, that would pull me back. But I never did. I came here, I think, for more dance opportunities at the time. I knew there, there was more of a commercial dance scene as opposed to like modern or ballet. Um, that was more in my range. So I think it was to dance more. Yeah. What was the other question? Um, how has your work changed since coming to LA? I mean, I've like then was like me being a brand new artist now I feel so you know I'm like helping new artists who come to LA mm. you know 
so I've become more of a teacher as opposed to a student, I guess, in my work. Yeah, I feel like I have a responsibility to help the new generation of people that want to be artists and answer their questions, you know, encourage them, lead them into like the right way of thinking about their stuff instead of maybe money or fame, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Since moving to LA, mm -hmm. can you look back on your time here and think about what you've done or what you wish you could have done differently? And also, what are you most proud of or excited for in the years to come as an artist living here? Hmm. I would say I would would have liked to have attacked what I wanted to do faster mm. with clear direction um, instead of being fearful or thinking this isn't the right thing for me I'm not good enough I think there's like so many wasted years with artists that do that like, oh, am, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Maybe I should be doing this. Maybe I'll put one foot in and one foot out for a while, which is never great. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, I grew up in an area where there was n none of the exposure to that. So unlike other people who get to be exposed to it at a very young age, I didn't have that resource, which is okay, because I think artists come from so many different spaces. Yeah. You can be... 65 and then become an artist and have a whole lifetime of experience and have wealth of you know an abundance of ideas and things like that so I mean I guess that would be like something if I had to name something and what was what was your second part I guess what are you most proud of that you've done and what are you most excited for in the years to come living here proudest I'm proudest for still being here mm -hmm. and not have ta having taken a different route out of like normalcy or like pressure to follow someone else's path as opposed to my own I think that's a big one and I think it happens to a lot of people so I feel very proud to even like be pursuing my dreams because I know I'm sure other people have them and they never get the chance or never take the steps to do it so yeah I think that's proudest still being in the game you yeah. know and growing and like sitting with it because you don't really get deep into it until you sit with it for a really long time and sorry, what was your second? Um, what are you most excited for? Oh, excited for. I think I'm transitioning. So it's exciting because directing is very new to me and I love it. And writing, I think just expanding as an artist and that it all kind of goes together and seeing where all of my interests since I've been born will kind of line up for me. I know it all has a, there's a plan for it. 
But some things I'm like, oh, why did I do that random thing for a while? So I'm interested to see how it all comes together, I guess. I have a final question that I ask everyone. Okay. Have you ever been in love? What was it like the first time you fell in love? I think I have been in love. I've had different types of love. Um, but I think I was in love. It was unrequited. <laughs> but um, it's. I think it's good to have that something or that someone in your life that motivates you your whole life, in a sense. Even if it's just you projecting an image of what they were. It's like sometimes you just need whatever it takes to keep you going, keep you fighting, keep you setting your sights high. Um, yeah, it's good motivation. I love crushes. Mm -hmm. Crushes are great motivation. They yes. like elevate you. They're like, oh, I, I'm going to go to the gym today. <laughs> no. Totally. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm thankful for that person. Yeah. Now I have some fun questions for you. If you had kids, what would you name them and why? Would you name them what you would name them? Ooh. Depending on the last name of the person that I am with, <laughs> if it works out. Um, I always really liked the name of Miller for a girl. My sister was in architecture school, and her architecture teacher what, had a little girl named Miller. And I always thought that was, like, a really cool name. Because I have... I'm feminine, but I also have this masculine side of me that, like, maybe because I grew up with my dad, and I grew up, like, in the mountains, building forts and playing in the woods. So I like this kind of, like, masculine take on a girl's name. If I had a boy, I have no clue. Maybe, like, Otis or something. Mm -hmm. I love southern names. Clementine. Uh, yeah, something something that brings me back to my roots. Love it. Yeah. What is your favorite dance class to take in L.A.? Ooh. I love the sweat spot. Mm -hmm. The studio in general is amazing because there's no judgment. It's very inclusive. Um, and I love slow jams. There's a class on Sundays called slow jams. <laughs> and it's uh, their version of sweaty Sundays, which is the more energetic class, but the more fluid, jazzy kind of modern class is slow jams. Cool. A lot of Lana Del Rey, that mm. kind of thing going on in that class. Yeah. Are there um, like levels or is it all open? It's all open. I think the class itself, I think people have been going to that same class for so many years that it's gotten a little bit more intermediate as opposed to beginner. Sure. And they started a new beginner class for intro people. Got it. Yeah. What's your birth chart? Birth chart. Do you know it? Oh my gosh. I mean, like my sun sign is. Um, like your sun and your rising and your moon. Do you oh know? Gosh. I want. I mean, my sun sign is Aquarius, 
I want to say that my rising is Aries and something is Pisces. And I'm an Aquarius sun sign on the cusp of Pisces. So I know there's a lot of Pisces in there. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, someone once... A dancer came up to me one time and she was like, Oh, girl. Oh, no. You're going to have a hard life. <laughs> well, I'm literally... I'm Pisces, Aries, Pisces, 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 Pisces. Wow. So, I feel you. Okay. <laughs> Um, but that's so funny though that we both have Aries rising and Pisces. Yeah. That's so weird. So at first impression, I mean, I feel like you're a lot calmer first impression than I feel like I am. I feel like I'm like a crazy chipmunk that like is like, hey, oh my god, <laughs> so nice to meet you. But I feel like you're just very like, hey. I think that's an age thing, not okay. a, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a mellow out like go with the flow now kind of thing like a surrender and acceptance to my life mm. trust me i freak out all the time and when i was younger i would i didn't we didn't have classes on stress management and like things like that that they have now like a class at harvard that teaches about life mm. you know just like normal skills of how to deal with life we yeah. didn't really have that we didn't have like internet was new and like we didn't have all those resources growing up so, I, yeah, I was a frazzled mess and very emotional. It was like lots of long walks in New York City. That was my way of coping. Or long drives at night. That was like my thing. Yeah. How would you describe your style? Your clothing style, I suppose. Because you're very fashionable. Thank you. I would describe it probably a little bit on the boyish side. Easygoing, like never trying too hard. Um, I probably have more of like a, I would say French aesthetic. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Maybe. Yeah, I like the, the beauty, like the natural beauty of French women. Me too. Have you ever read the book, Oh, How to Be Parisian Wherever You Are? No. Oh, it's so good. I'll it. It's so good. I like, it's my Bible. It's a okay. lot of my friends' Bibles too. What does it have? Like fashion tips? Yeah. It's just like, tips. yes, it's everything. Beauty. Yeah. Okay. And it's funny because we were talking about it at dinner, at dinner last night because um, we were talking about kids and Nell was saying, I think you're going to be friends with your kids. Or no. Um, she was telling my mom, because I'm be like best friends with my mom, she was like, you've raised your kids in a very French way. And I was like, I don't think so, because in my book it says French women are not friends with their kids. And Nell was like, that's not true. I know a lot of people who are French and who are women who are best friends with their kids. So I don't know. But it was written by four French women, so okay. that's all I know. Maybe in their, in their minds. line of family yeah <laughs> but yeah it's a great book oh it's just such a feel good it's really good okay yeah um I'm just gonna add one last one if you could recreate a role that's already been done in a film or in a tv mm. show what would you do who would you choose
I don't know the answer to that question, but I would really like to have like Brit Marlene's career. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I like all of the content that she produces and creates and that kind of psychological sci-fi hmm. would be very cool. So if I could like have an existing person's life. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Then I would I would go towards that. Yeah. I don't know about a role. I would have to think about that. Yeah. Cool. That's all I got for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Those are great questions. Oh my gosh, thanks. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? No. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you for being here. <laughs> or really really thank you for having me because we're in your house no I love that you're doing this website I love that you're like getting deep with artists I love processes anytime I can learn about someone else's process that can inform my work so great so I love what you're doing thank you Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Rebecca like I did. I have really not had many conversations with Rebecca, which is so funny because I feel like I've known her for a really long time through mutual friends. But getting to know her further and seeing how actually how similar we are in ways was great. She's so introspective and she's a brilliant, brilliant artist. We did something really interesting on the site this time. Usually I ask the people that I interview to send me images or poems, pieces of writing, videos of things that they've worked on and want to show the world so I can display their work. Rebecca instead requested that she share some photos that she's taken of things that inspire her as opposed to products of her work. And I loved this idea because that's actually the approach I've been told to take all through my years as an artist so far from teachers, from mentors, from other friends. I've always been reminded that it's process and not product. So I really hope you enjoy the shots from Rebecca and her captions, and hopefully they can inspire you to create something or change your direction somehow in your work. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time.